to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick, and today we have a very personal and probably emotional um, topic. Uh, I'll tell you what it is in just a moment. Uh, But as I always like to start off now uh, with the show, if there are topics that you want us to talk about or guests you'd like us to talk to, um, please send me an email at info at stone-road.com, or I believe you can uh, contact me through um, the voiceamerica.com website. You can send a message through there and let me know what it is you want us to talk about or who we should approach to get on the show or even make arrangements to get you on the show. And we'll talk about, you know, what it is, uh, the message that you want to get across to our listeners. And, you know, I've got some people doing that uh, now and uh, making arrangements to uh, set up times to speak with them. So please feel free. You know, um, this is a show for you. You know, it's not just me talking. It's, you know, I want uh, all of you to get what you want out of this show as well. So please feel free to send an email. Today, we're going to be talking uh, about a, a personal story. Um, as, as you know, the show is called Preparing for the Unexpected. So after having our last show where uh, we were speaking with uh, Brian Patana um, about uh, first aid and St. John Ambulance, um, he is also a funeral director in his uh, day, daily uh, role. And that got me thinking that, you know, one of the things that uh, we never really prepare ourselves for is the loss of a loved one. So today we're going to be talking about that from my own experiences, Um, things that I've learned of what we need to uh, consider ahead of time, you know, and um, how we deal with that ourselves, because as much as it's a part of life, sadly, it still comes unexpected to most of us. And um, even, even though I was kind of expecting it, I've experienced that recently as well. So today we're going to talk about that uh, leading up to it, what we need to n- know, what happens right away, and you know, extenuating circumstances, things that happen after, you know, further down the road. So as we go along, I'm going to be giving you my own personal story things that I've learned, things I had to, uh, didn't know that I, you know, needed to know or things that I tried to find out, but, uh, really didn't know where to start. The story is about my father, uh, Frederick Alfred Fullock and, um, what, what my brother, uh, Kyron and I went through with, um, our experience, uh, starting a few years back. Um, where we, you know, really weren't sure what to do, you know, when things happened. And the whole story started uh, around Christmas in 2013, where uh, each year I go home uh, up to Thunder Bay, where my family lives. Uh, I'm the only one who doesn't live there, uh, immediate family, that is. 
and I went looking for my father. Um, I couldn't reach him through the phone, um, and I couldn't uh, get a hold of him any other way. There was just no response. I even had my brother um, try to contact because they they live you know uh, in the same city, and he couldn't find find him. And I was speaking with my mom um, when I arrived up in Thunder Bay, saying, "Hey, I, you know, I haven't reached Dad for a few days. I haven't been able to get a hold of him." You know what? What do you think I should do? You know, um, and one of the lessons I learned is, you know, having you know uh, knowledge of where your parents like to you know hang out during the day, or um, knowing who the neighbors are. He lived in a uh, an apartment complex that was mostly um, elderly people, so you know they don't know who the stranger is coming up to the door. Um, so. Get to know where your parents live, first of all, and get to know, you know, either the superintendent or the, the building up property management, you know, whoever it is, so that in the event something does happen, you can be contacted. What happened is I asked my mom, you know, uh, what we should do, and uh, she said, you know, as sad as it may sound, you know, try the hospital. Maybe something happened. You know, dad was, you know, over 70, uh, 74 at the time, and uh he, it turned out that uh, I stopped in at the hospital up in Thunder Bay, and uh, they have a phone where you can, you know, just pick it up and someone answers and you can ask them a question. And I asked, you know, do you have a gentleman by, you know, Frederick Alfred Folick here in the hospital? And they turned around and said, just a second, and said, yes, we do. Uh, obviously, I started to shake and get very nervous. Um, and it turned out he was actually just around uh, uh, the hallway from where I was. So I immediately went there and found out what had happened. And it turned out he had fallen on some ice. Um, anyone who doesn't know, Thunder Bay, Ontario, um, you know, is uh, definitely what you would call the Great White North during the wintertime. Uh, lots of snow, lots of ice. You know, it gets very cold. Um, it takes hardy people to uh, to stay up there. And... Um, People in Minneapolis would know, and people in Winnipeg would understand that as well. And uh, I went and found that he fell and couldn't get back up. And he was taken to hospital. Um, and my father was the uh, kind of young kid, not today sitting in front of TVs playing video games, but the kind that climbed trees and fell out of them. You know, uh, I think he broke uh, so many bones in his body at some point, um, climbing walls and, you know, just being a kid back then, you know, so, um, so when I found out, I, I talked to him and I found out what happened, um, you know, and that was uh, a relief. And it was at that time when I realized that, uh, you know, you have to face facts at, at some point, your parents sadly may not be around, you know, many years, um, uh, much longer. And my brother and I had this conversation and, we had to start finding out, you know, what things that we needed to know. And unfortunately, we had found that when he had fallen and gone to the hospital, they didn't have any updated contact information for him. Um, either he had forgotten or and we certainly had, you know, it hadn't crossed our minds. Uh, they were calling numbers and addresses that neither one of us lived at anymore. Uh, mine was a completely different city. Um, and uh, for Kyron, it was nowhere where he was either. So no one could contact us. So again, if 
as another learning point, try and contact your, your parents' doctors and make sure they have your uh, contact information. Um, it was hard to believe, you know, but it was four or five days roughly, you know, that we couldn't find him and we, we didn't know. But, you know, I found him on that fifth day, uh, you know, and it was right over Christmas and, and as well. So it made it even harder um, to track people down. But make sure you've got contact information. Make sure your parents have your contact information, their doctors, you know, anything, any medical files, make sure you're there. And that doesn't mean that you're the decision maker or anything. I'll get to that later. Um, but it does mean that people can contact you when they need to. So we did find him, you know, luckily. And uh, things weren't as horrific as obviously we were imagining. You know, he did bump his head. You know, he, he was a little dizzy. Um, and his knees had uh, given out um, on him uh, because he had had some problems, uh, a few problems walking uh, recently. And slipping on the ice uh, really did a number. So, you know, we had to face the fact that, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's not as young as uh, as he would like to think he is. And he's not, you know, impervious to disasters like he, he would like to think he is. Um, so we had to start having difficult conversations. And one of the difficult conversations is having to make some decisions for your parents, you know, um, it was rough. We had, they wanted to send him to a, um, uh, a care facility for a month for some, uh, physiotherapy so that he could walk again. And he wasn't going to do it. You know, my father, uh, my whole family is all British and he was the typical old British, you know, um, stoic man, you know, very rigid, very, you know, uh, I don't need other help, you know, with things. I can do this all on my own. You know, kept things close to his chest. You know, a typical old uh, Englishman. But we still had to sit there in the hotel room and say, you know, we have to think about things like the power of attorney. What if something happened? And a power of attorney, you know, uh, in, in simplified terms, doesn't mean that you suddenly control someone else's life. Um, that's what my father was afraid of and thought that's what it was. Uh, but what it really did was just enable us to make some decisions if he couldn't. You know, if he was unconscious, who's going to make the decision on, on going to, uh, you know, the, the extended care afterwards? Um, somebody had to have that power. So we had to have that conversation. Um, then we had to have conversations about having someone come by you know, at his house to, to help out, you know, either a cleaner or a cook or someone who just visits every so often. Um, but again, he was very, very, um, you know, stubborn and said, no, no, I don't want anyone coming in, poking around my stuff. You know, like I said, a typical Englishman, uh, older Englishman, that is. And so we had to make a, a choice saying that, okay, you know, you can go forward the way you are. Um, but if you fall again, then there is no more discussion. We have to have a, some of these things in place. We have to make sure that we have, you know, a power of attorney in place. We have to know your wishes, dad. You know, if something ever did happen, we need to know that, you know, you're getting what you expect. So, you know, another part of what needed to occur and that we weren't prepared for were some of these tough 
tough uh, tough decisions to make and tough conversations to have. We all talked with friends and, uh, you know, other uh, people that we knew close to find out, you know, what they did under circumstances, you know, and get some advice um, from people. And, you know, you could tell a lot of people were uncomfortable. And even if you look things up online, you know, there's always things that say, you know, it's uncomfortable, but you've got to be prepared for it. You know, you're going to have these conversations at some point, you know, so identify them up front and know that, you know, they're going to happen. You're, you're not going to get away from them. Uh, so um, we had those conversations. We took care of things. We, we did um, buy some things around the house to help. I did. And this is one thing that did come in handy. Um, one of those alert uh, bracelets or, or um, thing, necklaces type thing that uh, alert. You know, you, some of us may remember those commercials. You know, we all chuckle at them. You know, help, I've fallen, I can't get up. You know, and the, that line got used in sitcoms and everything. So, but I did get one of those for him. You know, and they called, you know, every month to test the system to make sure he was okay. You know, I, I really recommend it for parents who, you know, really want to stay on their own and not move and not have uh, anyone visit them. It really was a godsend. It gave gave me some uh, peace of mind to know that if dad fell, if something happened, you know, um, there was somebody calling at least, you know, to check to make sure he's wearing it, that the system is still working. So uh, take a look at some of that that information. And we bought him a, 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 a I can't even remember what it's called, but it's a, a, um, a walker that has the wheels on it so that he could uh, move around a lot easier, you know, and we made sure and kept following up with him that he was doing his exercises that he had uh, been taught, you know, and during physiotherapy. And we kept, you know, but my brother and I still knew that, you know, time is getting short. We know something's going to happen eventually. So a couple of years went by and we you know made sure we had to keep following up on things uh, making sure that he was like i said doing the exercises and making sure that he had the right equipment around the house to help him move around you know um he liked to do his own cleaning so you know uh, cleaning supplies that were actually easy to use you know um like uh, some of the wet mops uh, that you can purchase these days you know uh, so they didn't have to lean very much and could just you know it's already wet didn't have to bring out buckets of water or lift anything heavy like that you know, the, um, you'd be surprised how just some of those simple things that we take for granted, you know, are, is tough for, you know, uh, elderly um, people. And uh, um, we, but we did, did all that. We faced it. We watched, you know, and we saw, you know, all of these things occur. And um, we put these things in place. We, we got our contact information, as I, I mentioned, updated with his doctor and with the hospital to make sure that everyone was aware that uh, if anything happened again, you call uh, Kyron first because he's the one who lives in Thunder Bay and then myself second, you know, uh, and to, uh, you know, keep in contact if, if anything did happen, if anything did occur. And there were one or two little things that happened, but uh, luckily nothing serious occurred, um, I'm happy to say. Uh, and we were able to get... Uh, dad back into a, uh, a healthier routine it wasn't easy uh, it was i certainly wasn't prepared to all of a sudden you know um be following up on my parents you know i, I still remember all my 
my parents following up on me. Did you do your homework? Did you do this? Don't stay out late. You know, don't hang around with these people. Don't do this. You know, don't jaywalk. You know, all these kind of things. And now all of a sudden, I was almost doing the same thing with you know my father. Now you know, don't don't do this. You've got to be careful of that. You know, make sure you continue to do this. So the roles are reversed and. I have to be honest that, you know, in, in I was in my 40s and I was not prepared uh, mentally to take on those roles, you know, and, and, and do that. And neither was my brother, you know, who's six years younger than I am. And neither one of us were ready for that. So um, we, we took care of, you know, some of the basics and got some of the basic uh, plans and ideas in place. You know, um, one of the big things that stood out is that, you know, Dad, in case something happens, we need to know what your wishes are. And um, we didn't get to have that conversation because on in February 9th, my dad passed away. And on that, we'll, we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Um, as you uh, may have heard in the last segment, um, we're, we're talking about you know, preparing really for the loss of a loved one. 
and I'm using my own experiences um, and learnings from my father's passing uh, earlier this year. And uh, on February 9th, as I mentioned, you know, my father did pass away. And that all of a sudden set a whole new set of things. We didn't know what to what to do, what to take care of, who to call first. We had no idea. Um, it was a big shock to to me, uh, to my brother first, because uh, as I mentioned, you know, we had the contact information in place. So the first visit um, by the Thunder Bay Police was to my brother at his home, and they notified him that uh, my father had passed away in his home and then my brother had the uh, difficult task of calling me and letting me know um, and I knew something was up just the way you know um, uh, just the way I could tell in his voice you know I, I got something to tell you and for some reason you just know you know and uh, even though he and I had said that they were we probably only had a couple of years left with dad, you know, and we'd all been getting closer and talking a lot more. It still came as a very big shock uh, to know that it happened. So once we got all that, um, we knew there were things that had to be done, you know, decided, and we really didn't know where to start or, or what to do. Um, to, to be honest, I, was kind of at a loss of words and I, I had to make a couple of phone calls myself. You know, I had to call my mom, even though my parents had been divorced for um, over 30 years. They, she took it rather hard as well um, because to her, you know, no matter what, it seemed like a piece of her life, you know, had suddenly just ended. You know, um, the father of her, her children was no longer there. You know, and regardless of her marital status now, it was, you know, the father of my children is now gone. So it came as a shock to her and um, all of us. And I had to notify my uh, uh, other family members and post things online for people around the globe, letting them know as well, including uh, um, tracking down um, my, my dad's brother, who I hadn't seen in uh, 40 years, uh, roughly, um, in England, and I'll be mentioning him again later on. Uh, so I had to make all these difficult uh, phone calls, um, which were tough. You know, I was not ready to to make these calls and let people know. I, I didn't know how how do you break news like that. I, I, I don't know, and to be honest, I don't think I still could answer that question now. Um, at one point, I actually did have to look online because I, I really didn't know what to do and that was another learning you know what is it you do things still move forward unfortunately you know you wish they they didn't and every everything just kind of stood still a little bit for you but it doesn't you know we we had to call you know where where he uh, the property management where he he lived uh, to get access to his apartment um, because he was found there um, we couldn't go in uh, right away because they had to do some, you know, cleanup of their own, so to speak. Um, and we didn't want to know the details or anything, you know. And that's all we wanted to remember was the good things. But we, if your parents live somewhere like that, you ha you can't just walk in and, and start doing 
you know, what you want. Uh, we found that, you know, we had to go through the property management. We had to get permission to go in. Even though we had keys cut ourselves, um, the outdoor lock to the building had been changed, so we couldn't just walk in. So we had to go uh, prove who we were and get uh, some forms signed. Um, and then, you know, they had already had our contact information. So once they, they were done, what they needed to do, uh, we could go in uh, into the, the apartment. And um, that was tough um, because you're standing in your parents' home and you know that they're not going to be there before uh, anymore. And <clears throat> we had to go through all, all kinds of uh, papers and, you know, and start making lists and finding out, you know, where his bank was, which um, – uh, we had found he had switched banks. I, I thought he was still with one one particular bank, but uh, years earlier he had switched. Um, when And I believe that happened when he moved into the uh, building that he was residing in. Um, we didn't know that. So we had to trace um, that down to find out where his home branch was. So that's another thing we learned is to know where, you know, where the banking, your parents' banking is being done and you know, who it's with. Um, so once we did that, we had to set up an appointment to freeze any accounts um, that he had. And, you know, he did have some things that were happening. And luckily through the bank statements, we could see some of uh, any prepaid um, debits that were coming out, uh, you know, monthly bills that would uh, address, you know, cable or phone or things like that. You know, you have to make the phone calls there and let them know what's going on. We had to contact um, the uh, Ontario government, that's the province of which uh, we reside in here in Canada, you know, and the government of Canada itself, the federal government, to cancel you know, his uh, social insurance number uh, and uh, driver's licenses and anything related, health cards, get all that canceled. Um, and to do all of that, we also had to sit with the funeral director with the, at the funeral home. And one other thing that I want to, one more thing that we learned is that you need lots of copies of the death certificate. They only give you, you know, a couple up front, but you need a whole bunch. Everyone needs a copy. Um, and when it came to the government, you know, each one, uh, each area that we spoke to uh, needed their own copy, um, one for the license, one for the health card, one for something else. So, you know, I, I that's one thing you, you you will have find that you need to do is have more than one copy. Then you have some hard decisions to make when you're at the funeral director because at the time we didn't know dad's wishes. Um, so we had to start having some open conversations amongst ourselves, my brother and I, you know, what would dad want? What what would make him happy? You know, what do you think he 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 had wanted? And so we had to make some uh, decisions. Um, we since dad would you know was not a into all fa you know fancy things and and multiple possessions like some people are. You know, he was lived a very simple you know existence. You know, kept himself. So we thought, okay, cremation. You know, nothing fancy. And um, the, which was tough because we couldn't, neither one of us could walk around the corner to have a look and point out, you know, what, 
what it was, you know, what urn or anything like that. That was, you know, that almost sent both of us over the edge when we were having that conversation. And uh, another thing that was very tough um, to know when we weren't prepared to do was uh, writing the obituary. Um, luckily, at funeral directors, like uh, Brian had mentioned in last week's show, you know, they're trained and they're there to help. And they, the, the lady that helped us, you know, kept prodding for information, you know, oh, who were his parents? You know, when was he born? You know, did he have any siblings? You know, um, uh, what about children? You know, what about grandchildren? You know, and being able to flush that out because, to be honest, you're really blank at that time. You can't think of, of any of that detail. And luckily, the lady that we were working with at the funeral home, um, she was able to really pull that information out for us. And um, we were able to, to do that and get that into the papers, uh, you know, and hunt down pictures, uh, which I um, happened to have uh, with me, actually, um, from something else. I just scanned a whole bunch of pictures uh, a year before um, from old family photos, and I happened to have one. So I was able to provide something um, and be prepared for the costs of all of that. It's uh, quite surprising um, how much uh, cremation costs or uh, you know costs that go into you know, putting in ads and papers or um, other uh, types of expenses that you you know clean up expenses you know anything that you, you that you could think of you you need to look at and uh, it was quite surprising. Um, one uh, cost that I hadn't really thought of uh, until a couple of days later was the mail redirect. Um, the recommendation was a couple of months, but because this was February and I knew that tax information might still be coming, I thought the best thing to do was maybe put uh, it in for a year. And uh, just in case something comes from last year or something comes from this year, so we put a change of address to my brother in Thunder Bay uh, because that's the easiest rather than uh, redirecting it down here um, to the Guelph area. And uh, that was a surprise. Um, but we got that taken care of as well. And once everything was canceled, phone bills, and you know, we were able to look at some other things. And uh, that was back at the uh, apartment now when we could go in. And one of the toughest things, and you better prepare yourself for, is going through all the personal belongings, the personal papers, the personal uh, effects, you know, of your 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 parent. Um, we found some surprising information. Uh, one was the uh, the cremation, the wish to be cremated. We'd also made a decision uh, to return Dad's ashes. Uh, back to his hometown in uh, Headley Bordenhans in England, um, which is uh, also where uh, I grew up. Uh, my entire family is uh, is English, and my mother's family is also from the same area. Um, so the uh, the graveyard is full of people on my mother's side and my my father's side. And that uh, I'll get to that aspect um, in the next segment uh, because there was a whole thing we had to go through with that. But going through the effects, 
you have to decide, you know, something may not look important to you, but may have been important to your, your father or your mother or, you know, whoever it is. And that's, you know, tough. That's tough going through all of that. And to, to make that decision of, of what to keep, what to donate. Um, we did donate a lot of uh, um, uh, clothes and some, uh, you know, thing like toasters that were brand new, roughly. You know, I gave that to charities as well. Um, you know, we wanted, uh, we weren't just going to go in and, you know, oh, everything's ours, but, uh, you know, and, you know, hoard it all. Um, it was tough to, to decide, well, you know, what to keep, what not. We did find some wonderful things. Um, we found the, the medal of uh, my father's father, who died December 9th, uh, 1939, in World War II. My father was born December 30th, 21 days after his father died. So he never got to meet his uh, real father. And uh, um, the granddad that uh, I grew up with, um, who I love dearly, you know, uh, you know, um, he he grew up knowing someone else as his dad, and you know they got along famously, which uh, I was very happy. Um, just dad took back his name, you know, uh, when he was 16 years old, because for 16 years our branch of the family, you know, the Fullick family, no longer existed. It uh, basically was dead, you know, um, and then my dad took the name back um, when he was 16. But we found all, all of that information. We found uh, a few little scribbles um, where Dad had started to put some ideas together, how I mentioned before in the first segment, of knowing you know, people's wishes uh, uh, you know, and understanding what, what it is they may or may not want. We did find something that you know, he wanted to be cre- cremated and returned to England, and we were very happy. You know, it was a tough decision to make, but at the same time, we found that we made the right decision it was what he wished um but going through through all that um what was also tough is that neighbors would come by and you know say say things you know or um you know wish wish us well you know and how they you know liked dad or you know and knew that he was quiet and kept to himself but that was tough too we're trying to move forward ourselves we're trying to go through his stuff and you know you've got people coming up as well you know saying things and um, some people did ask if there was a service and you know no there was not a service dad didn't want one um, and we knew that right from the start um, that he just wouldn't have wanted that so um, be prepared for going through those things and looking around and identifying what it is that might be important and, and might not be important you know, because what was important to your father may not be important to you. Um, you may not see any value or even sentimental value in something. And it was really tough to, to go through papers and, and go through things saying no charity or no, you know, this goes away, you know, to, to something else. And those may not have been the thoughts, you know, of your parent, uh, you know, of the, the lost loved one. So it makes it a little, little tough. So uh, in the next segment, um, we'll talk about um, some of these uh, additional um, things we had to consider and arrange, you know, to meet, you know, the wishes of a lost loved one. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to our final segment of Preparing for the Unexpected. Today we're talking about the preparing for the loss of a loved one. Um, and we're using my own experiences um, with the passing of my father earlier this year as um, the story, my personal story uh, of things that we learned and things we felt along the way that uh, my brother and I were not prepared for. I do just want to uh, quickly say that if you hear in the background uh, rattle or anything like that, it's uh, my dog walking around, you know, um, sticking close to me um, because he knows I'm a little little, uh, out of sorts right now. Um, usually he's outside the room, the door is closed so that, uh, you know, I don't hear him. But uh, here I wanted him uh, close, uh, so to speak, So, because it's a calming mechanism for me. So uh, if you hear that, uh, I'll apologize now, but uh, I really wanted it, uh, uh, really wanted him, uh, you know, near me as I, I go through this. So in the last segment, I talked about... Um, you know, going through father's, uh, you know, your your father's um, uh, things, you know, things that are important to him and, you know, all his assets and um, closing down accounts and having to prove who you are. Um, you know, it, it did help in some instances where we had already made some prearrangements, you know, where our contact information was on file with different uh, institutions. So that made some of it easier. 
um, we didn't have it at the bank and that we did have a tough time um, uh, trying to coordinate aspects. We had to, you know, because there was no will, we had to sign forms, you know, and they recommended getting a lawyer, which it was going to cost a lot of money. Um, but it was just my brother and I, and we were on the same page and said that we're not contesting anything. You know, it's just he and I, and whatever happens, it just gets split right down the middle. So we signed forms, um, but that's not uh, in the case for everybody. Uh, it, it is tough. So it, push for a will, you know, have that tough conversation, you know, where is the will? You know, um, you may not know what's in it, but you've got to have to know where it is. Uh, otherwise, it could could cost a lot of money. If we had hired a lawyer, you know, it there would have been no point really, you know, in in pursuing anything. So um, everything was split down the middle between he and I, and uh, you know the the money uh, went to you know uh, pay for all the funeral costs and and uh, any other. Uh, costs that came up, like mail redirects, etc. Now, as as I mentioned, we went through uh, Dad's personal uh, things and did find uh, a note about wanting to be cremated and returned to England uh, to be buried in his hometown with uh, Nanny and Granddad. Um, so that led to a whole new set of things we didn't know. I'm sure many listeners um, probably believe that you can just take ashes, you know, to another country and, you know, spread the ashes wherever you want. It's actually illegal. Um, you can't actually do it, even though you hear stories of people doing it, you know, and on TV they make it seem as though it's, you know, a common thing. But uh, everyone I spoke to uh, and uh, touched base with said, no, actually, you can't do that. You're not supposed to be able to do that. And it was different for us because I was going to be taking the ashes out of the country. So, one, I had to look look up on uh, airline sites, you know, how do you transport them? You know, do you check them in? Can you carry them on? You can carry them on. And um, I just want to put a disclaimer here. This is only my personal experience. I do recommend, you know, if if you are transporting ashes anywhere check with your airline the airline that you're on the airport uh, that you're leaving from anything you know if you're going to another country check the consulate or the embassy i called the british embassy twice um, to make sure that i had uh, all the right information i called my airline twice and i even called the airport itself just to make sure you know and and to to ensure that you know i could carry these ashes through um, uh, security. There are some conditions you need to follow, um, and these were the basic ones. Um, and as I say, please check with your own um, uh, institutions. The ashes have to be in a scannable box, so metal urns you can't do. Um, we originally did choose a metal urn from a picture because, as I mentioned, we didn't want to walk around the corner. And, and look at them because that's where the coffins were and we didn't want to do that. So we did choose from a picture, um, but it turned out once we realized we were had to transport his ashes, we had them move to a uh, wooden box that could be scanned. They put the these ashes on in a certain tray to scan it to make sure that you know there's nothing inside there that it really is. 
And something else you'll need, um, not just your uh, death certificate, you know, from the funeral director, but you also need a confirmation of cremation. And there's a letter that uh, confirms the contents of what's in that box. I had I had multiple copies of everything, something to show the the border patrol, you know, the the people who were scanning at security to make sure I had everything there. Um, show the people when I was checking in to the airline, and if anyone asked me when I arrived, you know, in the UK, I arrived at Heathrow and I had uh, copies there in case uh, they were needed. Um, and thankfully, everyone from the consulate to the airlines to the airport, airports in both countries, were simply phenomenal. They they were very helpful, you know, and uh, caring. And um, on my flight over, uh, I put my ashes up uh, above, you know, um, in the uh, baggage uh, compartment there, and um, they put you know pillows uh, around it so that nobody. Uh, nobody throwing their luggage up or if luggage moved would harm anything there. You know, they, they, they really went out of their way to make sure that, uh, you know, dad was taken care of. So my thanks to them. Uh, the other part is uh, you, as I mentioned, you can't just go and dump you know, ashes or spread ashes or throw them in the water or whatever the, the wish may be. You actually still have to contact, you know, the cemetery you know where you, uh, where the wish is to be uh, carried out, and um, as I said, they since they don't do that, they have to get involved with a funeral local funeral home um, because uh, churches don't usually do it themselves. So, and this parish was a small parish, so they didn't did did plots. So I had to get in contact with a a, a funeral um, service um, who. Uh, would come and on on a specific day make sure that uh, the plot is ready because we were you know interning the ashes you know beside nanny and granddad and you have to make arrangements with them dates and times you have to coordinate with the church as well the dates and times to make sure that someone at the parishes is there um, to oversee things and in our case I did ask the um, parish uh, vicar um, to uh, oversee everything and he said a few words which was wonderful um i hadn't expected that but that, i was very happy um and when you're doing that especially if you're doing it in another country and with a parent that comes from somewhere else somewhere else you may need to look into putting an announcement in a local paper of which we did and um i mentioned my uncle donald my dad's brother um, he came with his uh, his son uh, Gary, who you know was only one month uh, birthday away from mine, and uh, we were you know friends uh, as little kids. But he came, and even a couple of uh, uh, dad's students, uh, students, um, fellow students, uh, you know, at school, um, stopped by as well, which was uh, very touching. You know, I was very very happy to, for that. I wasn't expecting it, but. Um, in the end, it was something I hadn't thought of, you know, to, to get the message out because Dad had been in touch with, you know, quite a few people um, still in England, and they they became aware of what happens. And sometimes, you know, your parents are in contact with people that you don't know. So 
don't be surprised if you are contacted that way. You know, some people may come out of left field, you know, at least it feels like that, you know, going, who are you? And they could be lifelong friends, you know, with your dad and uh, or your mom or, you know, brother, sister, whoever it is, and you might never know. And um, just because you don't know them, uh, don't treat them any less. You know, they they were obviously friends and loved your, your loved one like you did. So um, we went through that on the morning of October uh, 10th. Um, it, it, uh, it was a cloudy, cool morning, um, but everyone was there and uh, quick service, you know, five, ten minutes and it, it was over. Um, uh, and then right after that it rained, which was good you know, to me because I was a, a bit of a mess after that. Um, and the, the happy part is that uh, just around the hedge, um, Dad was resting with Nanny and Granddad, but around the hedge is where um, his real or his birth father um, was buried uh, during the war as well. And I finally got to see his his grave as well because I didn't know where it was. So there's a lot of things to go through, and it doesn't end right away. Um for, in my own case, once the ash, you know, dad had been cremated, I had the ashes here at home um, because I'd already had a, 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 a trip planned to the UK in October. So I just extended it and, um, you know, took care of uh, having the ashes interned. But there were a lot of different things that came up along the way that I had to take care of. And it's very difficult to to take care of these things and move forward when you come home and every day you see, you know, your loved one's ashes sitting there, you know, and you know in your heart that, you know, they're gone, but they're really not. They're right there in front of you, you know, and they're not resting in peace yet. So there's quite a few things to think of, you know, and prepare for, you know, before anything happens, take care of some basics, get Get some contact information. Get get your name on contact lists and understand you know where the circumstances of how your loved one is um, residing. You know, property management, especially if it's an old old age home or senior care or whatever moniker you want to use. You know, ha- make sure they know who you are um, and understand you know where just simple thing like where the will is. You know, if there is a will. You know, you may not be told the contents. And which is understandable, but know that there is one, you know, and be prepared for some upfront costs. You know, uh, cremation was not cheap. You know, newspapers uh, were not cheap. Cance- um, sorry, redirecting mail was not cheap. And ha- make sure you've got a lot of copies of death certificates and um, cremation uh, contents and, um, you know, confirmations. It was surprising, you know, that I needed all of that information um, because originally I was told, you know, five copies should do you, you'll be fine. And we upped it to 10 and then I actually had to get another five, you know, so uh, that information you need, you know, um, and have those difficult conversations with your parent. Just because you're having those conversations doesn't mean you're looking forward for them you know, to go, uh, you know, that's ludicrous. You know, uh, no one wants that. But you want to make sure deep down that whatever it is they want, you can accommodate and you can take care of for them. 
and make sure that what their wishes are, you can address. And in the case of mine, where um, we went to the UK, uh, you know, there there were other things to look at. You know, we couldn't just go, uh, you know, and take care of it. We had to involve airlines, you know, contact embassies um, to make sure that, you know, what the rules were, you know, in, in that country and uh, airports, you know, when it came to security. And then, you know, the parish... Uh, the, of where the ashes are to be interned, you know, and funeral homes, uh, you know, we dealt with two different funeral homes, you know, and there's costs associated with both. So, um, you know, it was unexpected. You know, you don't think of those things, but, uh, you know, you do uh, encounter them. And sometimes if you're not, if you're not aware of it, it can actually hurt, you know, and it feels like there's roadblock after roadblock. You know, you've just lost a, a loved one, and then all of a sudden there's roadblocks in, in front of you everywhere you turn. And, they, you know, it's not really the case. It's just simply, you know, me not being aware. I wasn't prepared, even though I, my brother and I had had the conversation and knew that the time was near. You know, we, we didn't really have everything we needed in place um, yet. We, you know, we knew we were going to, but that happened sooner than we we had liked, of course. So, you know, have those difficult conversations, know where the will is, get on contact lists, um, ha- and have conversations amongst yourselves, you know, your your siblings, you know, what do we do if mom, you know, what do we do if dad, you know, and... and have a, have a plan amongst yourselves at the very least and know who's going to do what, who's going to be the executor. I got the executor um, with my, my brother just nominated me and said, you know, you're the oldest one, you take care of this. So, um, but I didn't do anything without his, uh, his okay. You know, every decision was made with him along the way. So that's my personal story of, uh, what needed to take care of and, you know, the, the law, the loss of a loved one and being ill prepared. And, uh, I hope, uh, you learned a few things. Um, and if you've made it this far listening, uh, thank you very much. Um, I usually end the show with, uh, you know, stay prepared, but this week I'm just going to say, I miss you dad. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.